0: You're listening to Frankly Speaking, weekly primary care insights for your practice, brought to you by PrimeMed. From pro sports to our office, concussion has become a hot topic. Today's guest is Dr. Robert Baldor, professor and senior vice chair in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. And we'll be reviewing the controversies around the diagnosis and treatment of concussion. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thanks, Frank. Pleasure to be back. Bob, I'm thinking of a 21-year-old in my practice who came in last summer. He was playing soccer um, and after heading a ball he had a few minutes of concussion on the field and uh, thanks to his parents being in attendance they convinced him to stay out for the rest of the game. The parents and my patient came in and wanted to know did he have a concussion and what should he do um can you tell me a little bit about the current guidelines around concussion evaluation and management that's uh, i I'm
1: glad you asked and I think People who have trouble with word finding and pronunciation after being hit in the head—sometimes that's a sign. Frank, you hadn't been hit in the head earlier, had you? Constantly. Constantly. So it's concussion. So, so it's really these are really great questions, and I think there's been a lot uh, recently been uh, in the literature around uh, restrictions. Uh, Uh, after having a concussion, for recovery, and and so that's really what I want to talk a little bit about today, there was just a a recent um, review uh, saying maybe we're doing a little bit too much with restrictions of activities. But let me back it up a little bit. So um, what what is a concussion is probably the the first thing to to, to clarify, and so it is a a brain dysfunction of some sort that's a result of an injury to to the brain. It could be a direct blow to the head, or it could be uh, from secondary, the brain just, the, the head bouncing, uh, bouncing around, as you might say. And so um, we all learned that, uh, I, I think we, learned, we were sort of taught that, did you get knocked out? And if you didn't get knocked out, you didn't have a concussion. And that was real simple to sort of say, loss of consciousness equals concussion. Well, I think what has changed in the last few years is to say, people can have a concussive injury of the brain and not lose consciousness, and so that's the that's really where we get into this uh, more of a muddle around who has had a concussion, and who and who and who hasn't. So um, in order to do that. It, um some tools have been developed. Uh, there's something called the SCAT, which is the Sports Concussion Assessment Tool, and that's been modified a couple of times. And that's really something that's used on the, uh, the sidelines uh, by coaches or health trainers or, or whatever to really look at an individual who's had a, 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 a head injury to sort of step back and say, have you had a concussion or not? Let's do this assessment. And I will say one of the first things that people are talking about, if there's a head injury or suspicion for a concussion, the first thing that has to happen is no secession of play, get them off the field, do that formal uh, formal assessment. So what are these things that we look at when the, uh, the, the SCAT tool, uh, as an example? It's a scoring that looks at the presence of a particular um, uh, signs or symptoms that the individual has had. So when you see this individual, he, he had a concussion at the field, I'd go back and sort of say, well, how did they make that diagnosis on the field? And the things that are in these uh, tools are, the, 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 are this isn't the, the, the whole list, but but you know, uh, obviously the idea did you did you get knocked out? The, the loss of consciousness. I mean, that's 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 an obvious and easy one, but typically we're not talking on that level, and that's the issue. So it's a little bit. Are you dazed? Do You have a dazed feeling? Is there confusion going on? Is there some uh, drowsiness? How about um, uh, headache or? Um, uh, uh, visual disturbance, seeing double, those type of things that are going on, having some trouble with your memory or your concentration. So those are the the issues, and what the these rating tools, such as the SCAT tools, they suggest some questions to be asked of the athlete at the time. So, for example, you've got somebody who's, who's playing soccer, uh, had a, a blow to the head, and you sort of ask them, uh, and they're coming off to the sidelines, and say, oh, I'm a little dizzy or whatever. I say, okay, you're dizzy. So what... Uh, What half is this? Uh, How much time do we have left to play in the game? What's the score? What's the team we're playing?
0: Um,
1: Our last game, when was our
0: last game? Uh, you know, uh, so maybe th- th- t- testing sort of short-term and, and immediate memory just to see if it's functioning.
1: Yes, these are relatively simple and straightforward things you can do to find out how impaired somebody is on uh, on on the field. And you know, uh, so getting hit in the head is is, is you know and, and being a little dizzy or something. Is, well, what else is going on there? Do we are we actually detecting um, issues that relate to uh, difficulty in thinking, difficulty in concentration, any any visual. Uh, uh, problems that people are having Mm -hmm. and so you sort of add those up and you come up with a score to say oh this is consistent with uh, with a concussion or not so there's that piece of trying to decide the the the, the severity
0: um, issue that is uh, that 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 is important so if I'm in the office and I'm seeing him um, it's now hours to days past that event are there any things I should be asking him at that time or doing in the way of an evaluation of a patient with concussion
1: yeah, so, you know, you so say hours to days, really these assessments, uh, it is a matter of something that should happen within, within a day, I mean, uh, this is the sort of thing, and, and, and really these tools can be used and should be probably used in the office as well, so you're doing a complete history, you're trying to uh, find out what happened, uh, they should have that tool from the sidelines, mm-hmm. so to say, wait a minute, how was that diagnosis made, you said you had a concussion, why? was that diagnosed how was that diagnosis made uh, what was going on uh, with that you obviously want to do a uh, a full neuro exam as well obviously if you're picking up any uh, um, abnormalities on a uh, neuro exam those are red flags as as, uh, as well as part of that so you really want to get that uh, uh, that sense of what's going on and then we talk about uh, of course now it's, it's, it's after the event so are they having ongoing symptoms so what were the symptoms that they were having at the time that went along with the diagnosis of the concussion and then are those symptoms gotten better, or gotten worse or not. And oftentimes the headache, headache is, is, is probably one of the driving uh, symptoms. You know, you get into the sense of fatigue or fuzziness or just don't quite feel right. Those are a little harder to put your hands around. If somebody's having some trouble, some photophobia or, uh, or autophobia, you know, where, 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 where the loud noises are, are, are difficult for them or lights creating problems for them um, or ongoing
0: headaches, that's a little easier. Uh, to be thinking about. It's interesting because uh, when I think about this patient, um, his physical exam was completely normal. He did not report headaches or any fuzziness, but he said he just wasn't right. And when I did his mental status exam, I asked him, here he is, he's 21, I asked him to do serial threes and he couldn't do it. And actually he began to cry during the visit and I was I wasn't sure if he was malingering or not but sure enough I did a further bit of the mental status exam and, and he was pretty impaired and up until that point I thought oh yeah he's fine and there's no big deal well,
1: that I think highlights the need to do a little more thorough history taking and, and examine. And so you did absolutely the right thing and you said, oh, wow, something is definitely uh, going on here. And so it brings up, so that ends up the question, so saying, well, should you do some imaging in those cases? Is there a need to, um, you know, to pursue uh, you know, that type of, a, of an approach? And so, that would, so the imaging you would do would be a CAT scan, and, and primarily you're looking for signs of bleeding uh, that, that, that are there. So people talk about um, red flags. So uh, when should you do uh, the imaging? And it would be um, uh, loss of consciousness for more than 30 seconds. Although uh, I, I, the guidelines, some guidelines say more than 30 seconds, some say more than a minute. Somebody's lost consciousness yes. for more than 30 seconds. I'm getting the scan. Sure, we <laughs> not going to wait for that for that minute. Any focal neural deficits that you're that you're um, that, that you're seeing? Um, uh, nausea or vomiting. Obviously, uh, continued nausea You know, somebody can have nausea or vomiting at the time. Um, with an acute injury, but if that persists, that's a potential sign for brain swelling, and so we would want to do that. But the other one is this persistent disorientation. And I think your patient had persistent disorientation going on, so I would have uh, scanned them. I don't know if you did or not, but that would be an indication to do a scan at
0: that point. I did, thank you, though. I I, I was very concerned, and I did do scanning that day. It was one of those rare occurrences was I was able to obtain an imaging study within the same clinical day. So, but thank you. That, that's great to know. So, you, you do your history, your physical, you have concerns. They have um, uh, some degree of impairment for more than 30 seconds, and you have other, or other concerns. You get imaging. Anything else in the workup?
1: Yeah, so I, I think the, uh, in the situation you're describing, uh, people really talk about doing the informal neuropsych testing. And this would be to refer them uh, for for formal neuropsych testing, uh, to, to to get a baseline. Certainly, somebody at twenty one, um, you'll you'll have standards to compare to to see how impaired are they. Are there other things that are going on? Because that's also uh, part of this. You were sort of started out by saying, hmm, is you malingering, or what's going? on? You know, uh, that's a tough term to use, but uh, a little bit to try and tease out what's happening. Uh, there can be other reasons for people uh, having some of these symptoms, and they just happen to have, have gotten hit in the head. So neuropsych testing is, is, is very useful uh, to really tease out how impaired are they. And that uh, then can guide uh, your uh, ongoing uh, uh, Restrictions around what they are doing, but also then can serve as a mechanism to repeat the neuropsych testing to sort of see are we seeing improvements in these areas or not. So it's really formalizing as opposed to you just asking some questions and trying to tease out is this person getting better or not. Uh, or, so these are it's, it's it's formal testing that's uh, that, that that's done.
0: That's great. Well, thank you, Bob. Um, next, I want to talk a bit about understanding the guidelines and the controversy about uh, returning to both sports and academic activities. In a minute or two, can you give us some some sense of what we should be telling patients? (laughs) You know, so I chuckle a little bit because this is,
1: so, so we back this all, where did this all come from? This really came from concerns around professional athletes and post-concussive symptoms. And so you talk about a professional athlete who is out there, severe injuries, lifelong, getting hit in the head, getting banged around, and trying to then look at the evidence related to uh, somebody who is really getting severe head blows on a regular routine basis and take that data and translate it into, say, you know, a high school athlete. Who's uh, you know playing a sport? The data out there is really uh, it, it, it's it's opinion based. We don't have really high quality evidence based data to support a lot of what's being done out there. And so that's the uh, those are the issues that come as you try and look at these guidelines. Nevertheless, the guidelines are are uh, out there, and they're really saying if you have had a concussion, no physical activity uh, except walking unless the walking even aggravates the symptoms. So this is a little bit, I kind of go with headache is the sort of thing to be thinking about. you having a headache, how bad is it? By the way, you can treat the headache with Tylenol if you're going to treat. Uh, people say, you know, we're concerned for bleed, so you want to avoid uh, NSAIDs or aspirin. Um, instead to use uh, use Tylenol and really up, and you would expect a headache to sort of by three days to, to, to be gone uh, as, you, uh, as you go with it. So the idea of of removal from play, making sure you're not having another injury to the brain, so so you've you've got an injury in the brain, the last thing you want to do now is have another injury, and it will probably take about seven days for the injury to heal up. So that makes sense to me. You've got somebody who's playing a contact sport, saying, you know what, no contact sport. For the next week here and then following symptoms as you go along but the guidelines really talk about different steps and the steps are uh, every 24 hours to do an assessment and so uh, really no activity uh, for the first 24 hours Uh, the next day then a return uh, return to school seeing how they're doing reassessing in 24 hours are the symptoms okay uh, not having uh, significant uh, headaches or uh, 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 confusion or whatever it is we're, we're tracking if that's fine Next, light aerobic activity, the 24-hour assessment, moving forward. And so that you'd finally get a week later back back into your full contact activity. The trouble comes in. So that makes a lot of sense to me. We want to avoid these physical activities. You do not want to have another trauma to the brain. You don't want to bang, uh, be banging the brain, around again. The trouble is, is that they've also said, you know what? We should have limited cognitive activity as well, because that brain's trying to heal up. We don't want to stress the brain, because of the limited cognitive activity. So they shouldn't be doing schoolwork. But they shouldn't be doing mobile. Uh, they shouldn't be on their smartphones. They shouldn't be watching TV. Uh, they shouldn't be driving a car. So a little, bit, the evidence around this is there, it's really weak. This is a fitting of this is sort of opinion to sort of say we really need to rest that brain. So I think what we really uh, what you have to uh, sort out here is you know the individual person and how severe was the injury, what's going on as you as you work through uh, as you work through with, 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 with those things, because the concern is for chronic what's called CNI, chronic neurocognitive impairment later in life, and you do see this in professional athletes who've had repeated. Physical blows to their head over time. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure so sure the data is there to sort of say, "Gee, because somebody was reading after they had a concussion on the field that they're going to end up with this." So, so in my mind, it's really difficult to, 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 to sort of get around this. And you sort of, you have to work with the school system, you have to work with the patient, you have to work with the parents uh, as, as as part of it. It's it's it's, it's the guidelines are
0: a little unclear, and the evidence is unclear as far as I can see. So it sounds like you should follow their symptoms, gradually return to things uh, and minimally seven days before they can resume full activities, but certainly if they have any persistent symptoms, that time gets gets pushed out. Does that sound about right? That's right. That's okay. right. Yeah. I know there was a recent article that, that further shed some light on management of concussion. Do you want to speak to that? Yeah, this is great because this 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 uh, this
1: just came out and it came uh, it was a Canadian uh, study, and it was published in um, in in JAMA and they were looking at this whole idea of restricting activity and they were saying you're taking these young athletes often uh, you know that are very active in school and so on and all of a sudden you're taking them from uh, you know, being engaged in physical activity and schoolwork and you're sticking them on the couch is that really the right thing to be doing? And so they were looking at this, and they did a study that was amazing to me. They had, um, they shared about 8,000 kids, ages five to 17. They had uh, diagnosed with acute concussion, had actually been to the emergency room because of that. And the, um, uh, they ended up with uh, uh, 2,400 of these kids that were, that were followed. 30% of them developed post-concussion symptoms where they continued after the concussion to have ongoing headache or whatever the symptoms were that they were of that subgroup that had those symptoms, a a higher likelihood, almost twice as likely to have that if you had no physical activity than if you had some ongoing limited physical activity. So the folks that had no physical activity were more likely to have post-concussive symptoms than those that didn't. Now there is a co-founder here. We don't know from looking at the data was, were those more severely affected? Uh, perhaps and that's why they didn't have physical activity because they had a uh, maybe a more severe uh, concussion at onset. So we really don't know know that part. That's why it sort of gets back to, you know, looking at it's everything we do in medicine. You have to individualize how severe was did they get knocked out. You know whether uh, you know did they lose consciousness or was this a, you know what was going on and, and try to grade your response to the degree of the injury. And then also, it's a little bit of, you know, uh, have they had repeated injuries? Is, you know, the thing is, is this their third concussion that they've had this year as a high school athlete? Is this the first time it's happened? So you have to factor all those things in when you're trying to uh, guide an, uh, a patient and their parents.
0: It sounds like what you're saying is that the true art of medicine comes into play when we're diagnosing and managing concussion. Yes, uh, the
1: true art of medicine is definitely there in this situation where you really have to, Use your clinical judgment as best you can. There, there are some guidelines out there, but they're they're opinion guidelines, and, and, and not a good, not a lot of great evidence around. this. We can't be doing brain biopsies on these folks to know what's no. going on. So,
0: Bob, any final thoughts on concussion? Um.
1: I guess it's you know it's it's an ongoing issue. Uh, be aware of the red flags that I talked about as to when we really should uh, move forward to uh, uh, you know to, 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 to do to doing some imaging again. It's that loss of consciousness. Of, uh, if you're seeing a, a focal neuro deficit. Uh, persistent nausea and vomiting of, outside of the initial uh, you know, event, or uh, you know, those, with, those with persistent uh, disorientation, really uh, being a little bit more aggressive with that group, whether, it, whether it's diagnostic imaging or whether it's neuropsych testing, do that. But the group that doesn't fall within that, I think we can feel a little bit more comfortable about getting them back into their regular routine, getting them to be uh, engaged and, 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 and probably have a better outcome if they're actually engaged than having them just sit on the couch.
0: Bob, thanks so much. This is a complex topic, and I appreciate your work putting it together. Thanks, Frank. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening today to this discussion of concussion. If you'd like to review the article, it was published in JAMA 2016 with the lead author, Dr. Gruhl. Please join us next time, where we'll be discussing constipation, its diagnosis and management in the outpatient setting.